this morning, I don't want to preach at you or even preach to you. I'd like to hopefully make this a little bit different. I just want to talk with you for a few minutes. We've been going through our Give Attention to Reading book, taking a look at the New Testament, going through it for six months, and I hope you've been keeping up with it. Not that I expect anyone to get every day. I know that we miss some days and get behind a little bit, and that's okay, but I hope you've been keeping up with that reading, because I'll tell you, going through this reading, there's just been some things that have impacted me quite a bit. And just to be honest with you, over the past two weeks and some of the reading, I, uh, for lack of a better term, the Scriptures just served a smackdown on me on a few things. One of the things that has most amazed me as I've looked at the Scripture is how silent Jesus wanted everyone to be. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 44, He told the leper not to tell anyone. In Mark chapter 5 and Think about verse 43, somewhere in there. He told Jairus not to let anyone know about the resurrection of his daughter. Mark chapter 7 and verse 36, it says that he told the deaf man not to tell anybody about what he had done. And yet, despite the fact that Jesus repeatedly told these people not to say anything, they didn't listen. Mark chapter 1 and verse 45, it says that the leper went about and spoke freely. In Matthew chapter 9, it lets us know that the story about Jairus' daughter went about the district. And in Mark chapter 7, verse 36, it points out to us that the more Jesus charged people not to say anything, the more they spoke. And I just want to share with you for a few minutes this morning some things that this has impressed upon me. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise Your name because You are awesome and powerful. You are the great, merciful God who will cleanse us. And we're thankful. Father, help us to remember how defiled we were. Help us to have poverty of spirit, to mourn. And because of that, to have the joy of the cleansing that You've given through Your Son. And Father, help us to spread it everywhere. Father, we love You, and we thank You so much for loving us. Through Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Out of those stories that I've just referenced, the one that I guess catches my attention the most is found in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. In Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40, the Scripture says, A leper came to Him, imploring Him, and kneeling said to Him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to Him from every quarter. The very first thing that I'm impressed with from this story is that Jesus wants to cleanse people. Leviticus chapter 13 tells us the law under the Old Covenant. 
about lepers. In verse 3, it said that when someone was discovered to be a leper, they were officially pronounced unclean. In verses 45 and 46, it says those who were leprous and unclean had to live alone outside the camp, shunned by everyone. They had to walk around in torn clothes, allowing their hair to hang loose, covering their lips and shouting, Unclean! Unclean! Lest anyone else be defiled by their uncleanliness. Now, how do you think that made the leper speak? But more importantly for our discussion today, how do you think that made everybody else speak? When they looked at a leper, do you think they saw someone that they wanted to welcome into their home? When they looked at the leper, did they see somebody that they wanted to reach out and embrace and touch? They saw someone they wanted to avoid. Defile. Unclean. I'm not sure, brethren, that in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40 when it says that this leper came to Jesus imploring Him and kneeling before Him, that we can imagine the desperate begging that was going on here. What would Jesus do? Would He avoid Him like everyone else? Would He turn Him away? Would He abandon Him in His defilement? Notice how Jesus responded. The man said, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus not only said, I will be clean, but did you notice verse 41? Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. How long do you think it had been since the leper had been touched by anyone? Jesus is willing. He wants to clean people. The second thing that I learned from this is that Jesus wants to cleanse people's sins. John points out in John chapter 20 that all the signs that were offered were given so that we might believe in Jesus, so that we might have life. And I am convinced that every miracle of healing that we see is actually an illustration of what Jesus wants to do for us spiritually. I especially see it when we see the cleansing of the lepers. I don't know, but perhaps you've felt like this. I know I have. God has never prescribed for me that because of my uncleanness and my sins that I have to wear torn clothes and let my hair grow loose and cover my lip and shout, unclean, unclean. But I have to tell you, there have been plenty of times in my life when I felt like I was carrying a big neon sign above my head that said, sinner, Sinner coming through, watch out. Don't get too close lest you be defiled. I felt that. Scared that others would find out what I've done? Because what would they do? Would they abandon me? Turn from me? Would they be like the older brother in Luke 15 and despise and disdain me? I'll tell you what I learned from these passages. That is that We can't ever know what people are going to do. But we can know what Jesus is going to do. In Romans 5, the Scripture tells us that even while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. 
I don't know what will happen if I turn to people and let them know my sins, but I know what will happen when I turn to Jesus and let Him know. Through pity, He'll reach out and touch me, embracing me, and say, I will be clean. And He'll do the same for you. Jesus wants to cleanse people's sins. But the third thing that I learned from this, and this is where I talk about suffering the smackdown, is that I learned that really Jesus wants me to go tell everyone about what He's done for me. It's interesting that He tells these people, don't say anything to anyone. And I've heard the speculation and understand possibly why He did that. And I'm glad that you and I don't have to be the ones to decide whether or not these people sinned by disobeying His charge. And I think if we get bogged down in that discussion, we're missing the point that Jesus is demonstrating through the Scripture here. What we're supposed to see here is that these people were cleansed and because of their excitement and because of their joy, they couldn't contain it. They couldn't hold it in. They had to let it out. I just want you to think about this for a moment. If you had had leprosy for years and been shunned and unclean and defiled and had to go around saying, unclean, unclean, do you think you could keep from telling people that you were cleansed? If your daughter or neighbor had been resurrected from the dead, do you think you could keep a lid on that? If you had been blind, deaf, or mute, and now you could see, hear, and speak, do you think you could keep your mouth closed? Brethren, we might try. We might say, oh, Jesus told me not to say anything. I can't say anything, but I tell you, I'll just tell this one person. They won't tell him, but I'll just tell, oh, you know what, I'll just tell this other person. I don't think we could do it either. I think folks would think something was wrong with us if we did. And yet Jesus has done the exact same thing for me. And too often I keep quiet about it. Through fear, apathy, procrastination, distraction, or whatever the reason might be. I keep quiet about it. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus told the apostles, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. They'll be clean. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, the disciples were persecuted and scattered out of Jerusalem. Did they walk away scared to say anything else? No, they, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. This is what Jesus wants for me. This is what Jesus wants from us. I've got to remember that. Jesus wants to cleanse people. He wants to cleanse people's sins, and He wants those of us who have been cleansed to tell everybody about it. But that leads to the fourth thing. If the gospel is going to bubble over in my life, I have to be like these people who were cleansed in Mark. Tell you what these stories have taught me. They taught me that I don't need another class on personal evangelism. And that, we're teaching one in the auditorium. And I've got to tell you, one of the reasons why we set that up is I thought, man, I need some motivation and encouragement to do this. But what these stories have told me, I don't need another class. I don't need another sermon that's going to make me feel guilty. 
I don't need another tool that's going to make it easier. I don't need opportunities dropped in my lap. If I'm going to get the gospel out, I just need to be like these folks that were cleansed in months. And first of all, what that means is I have to mourn how defiled and unclean I am. I have to recognize, even if I had only ever committed one teeny tiny small sin, how bad I am compared to God. Defiled and unclean. A leper, worthy of being shunned, pushed outside the camp, having to holler out, unclean, unclean. Romans 3.23 says, For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. That's where I am. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4 and 5 to talk about the Beatitudes, it pointed out that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's what he's talking about. I've got to realize that. I've got to mourn that. I've got to realize how dirty and defiled I am. Because when I realize that, then I can be comforted with the joy of the cleansing that Jesus has offered. When I truly realize how bad I was, when I recognize the forgiveness Jesus has given me, then I can have the joy and the rejoicing. I can be like that leper who realizes I was unclean and now I'm clean and i got to tell folks. Think about this. I realize the leper first had to go to the priest, but who do you think he told first? I'll tell you what I think. I think he went right back outside the city and found his best friend who was a leper along with him. He said, i got to tell you. Now listen, he told me not to tell anybody, so you don't, don't go telling anybody, but there's a guy in, in town that can cleanse you of your leprosy. Look at me. I think he went to the other lepers. For joy. I mean, he couldn't stop it. He couldn't contain it. And if I can feel that joy, if I recognize what God has really done for me, and I hone in on that, and I focus on that, and that's in my mind, and I allow that to spring up in my life, then I'm not going to be able to help talking to people. I'll just be honest with you. I don't get motivated very much by trying to convince everybody else that they're wrong and I'm right. But I can get motivated by letting folks know I know a gospel that can cleanse you of your sins. And if I have that joy, I'll talk about all that other stuff too. But I know why I don't want to do that. I can tell you exactly why I don't want to do that. I don't want anybody to know what I've done and what I've been cleansed of. If I'm going to start letting people know how I've been cleansed, I've got to let them know how defiled I really was. Now, see, for the leper, that was easy. He could just say, I was a leper and now I'm clean. But to express my joy, I've got to start letting people know, look, here's what God can cleanse you of. He's cleansed me of this. And so, brethren, to help me with that process, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. Here's what He's cleansed me of. I want you to know why I am excited to be a child of God. I want you to know the leprosy of which God has cleansed me. Because I want you to know why I rejoice that I am God's child. I need to share with you some things before I tell you. Number one, when I say that I'm cleansed and forgiven, please understand I'm not saying that I am perfect. I'm not saying that I got forgiven and I've never sinned again. 
I'm like Paul in Philippians 3.12 that says, I haven't attained perfection, but I'm still pressing on. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says we're supposed to be adding to our faith virtue, our virtue knowledge, and our knowledge self-control, and, and all these things are supposed to be increasing. That means I have some faith, I have some knowledge, I have some virtue, I have some self-control, but it also means I have some doubt, and I have some ignorance, and I have some uh, lack of virtue, and I have some lack of self-control. I still have that. I'm growing just like anyone else. So when I tell you that I've been forgiven... Uh, some of these things were forgiven when I became a Christian, and I'll be honest with you, there was a time after I became a Christian that I went through about a year where, though I didn't leave the church, I left the Lord. Folks at church didn't know about it. This was back when I was in college. I was able to hide it from them, but I knew it. Some of those things got forgiven then, and some of them been forgiven all the way along because Jesus died for me. So I just want you to be aware of that. When I say I'm cleansed, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm still a growing, struggling Christian just like everyone else. The same thing I want to share with you is I'm not sharing this with you out of any sense of joy or pride. I've heard people talk about what they did before they were Christian almost sound like they were proud of. Oh, wow, you're, you haven't done anything. Listen to what I did. Oh, there's, believe me, there's no joy or pride about my sins. I, I tell you, I am, I am rejoicing that I am forgiven. But I mourn the fact that I needed to be forgiven. And the third thing, my greatest fear on this, is for the young people. For those of you who are beginning to make your first choices about whether or not to sin, I don't want anyone to view this as permission to sin. Folks think, oh, well, I'm going to do it. I can do it and I'll repent later too. I'll tell you what. Some of the sins I committed, I got some moments of pleasure. But they've caused years of anguish and guilt and shame and remorse problems and struggles that I never imagined would have happened. They caused some instances of fun. I'll give you that. But they took me places I never thought I'd go, doing things I never thought I'd do. Because I walked through the first door. And fourthly, I want to share this caveat. I'm not going to... I'm not just going to get into all the nitty-gritty details, so I hope that this won't cause anybody to have a morbid interest in trying to figure out exactly everything I've done. I just want to share with you some of the general things. Because I just want you to know what God's done for me. I have to read this. This list isn't in any order. I just sat down the other day and tried to think about all the things I've done. I'm sure I didn't get half of them. Jesus has forgiven me and cleansed me from the spiritual leprosy of lying, disobedience to my parents, rebellion against my parents, striking my father, unkindness to my brothers, arrogance, pride, covetousness, breaking and entering, drinking alcohol, stealing, lust, use of pornography, sexual immorality, hatred, slander, gossip, gluttony, materialism, greed, Lack of discipline and self-control, cussing, telling dirty jokes, listening to dirty jokes, laughing at dirty jokes, not standing up for the gospel truth, selfishness, self-centeredness, outbursts of anger, verbally mistreating my wife and children, not seeking my wife's needs and desires, holding grudges, bitterness, resentment, strife, dissension, divisiveness among brethren, malice, boastfulness, self-indulgence, providing for the lusts of the flesh, jealousy, envy, impurity, sensuality, Gambling, being quarrelsome, being a lover of self, being a lover of money, being a lover of pleasure, despising authority, willfulness, stubbornness, blasphemy, 
forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, being entangled again in the world after having come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, trampling underfoot the Son of God and proclaiming the blood of His covenant. And I am certain that if I could remember clearly every day of my life, I could probably double that list. But I hope you recognize why when I read Ephesians chapter 2 and Paul says you were dead in your trespasses and sins, that you were by nature a child of wrath, why, I know exactly what he's talking about. But I also think about 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 when Paul told the Corinthians, and such were some of you, that you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, cleansed. That's what Jesus has done for me. And if I can remember that, I'm going to tell everybody. Who wouldn't I tell? Because He can cleanse you too. He cleanses everyone. No matter how bad they've been. If He can cleanse me, I know He can cleanse you. 